right, welcome to Into the Mystic podcast. My name is Juliana Lavelle, and I am intuitive mentor and yoga educator. And I'm here with a very special guest mystic, my mother, Shan Lavelle. <laughs> so welcome, Shan. Um, Hello, Juliana. Um, so mm. let's tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. I'm uh, 63 years old, and I am um, a mother and a grandmother, and I'm a foster parent, and I've done everything I can in the last, and oh, since my early 20s even, to understand emotions, to understand people, and that's a big thread for me. What does being a mystic mean to you? Wow. Well, I've experienced magical things, uh, things that couldn't be explained um, logically. And those experiences I wrote about and I've written in my own journals and um, shared with precious friends and sometimes gone public with them. But it, everybody has <clears throat> an, an access to their, to their dream world, their intuitive self. Um, so what I'm doing is, 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 is ordinary, not so special really. Uh, but at one time it wasn't thought to be uh, special. It was actually frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about your book and how, what, what sparked you into writing your book all those years ago? Let's well, start. I wrote a book entitled Closet Mystics Come Out Firewalking. And as you know, as you well know, I became a single parent when you were two and your brother was four. And, and it was a very challenging time. And I had to rally myself and my community um, back in the day when, and this was in the... Um, early mid 80s, back in the day when there was um, a lot less understanding about emotions, we were just beginning to open the doors. Uh, So a man named John Bradshaw had just done a series called On the Family about addictions. And um, at that time, the focus was addiction and little less about emotions. But now we've just, there's been an explosion in the last 35 years of understanding Mm -hmm. and so I wrote the book uh, and called it Closet Mystics because I had to reach deep for my own sense of connection to um, to something special something that would save me if you will because it was easy to feel like I could go under as a single parent financially and otherwise so it was very frightening and I had to be strong for my children, but there are paradoxes in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your favorite practices that help you guide you back into your sense of mysticism or back into your heart? Well, exactly that. I think um, 
a long, long time ago when I was a teenager, I got into yoga. And I, I did a lot for a few years, say five years, uh, 16 to 21. And then I, I kind of lost my practice a bit. But getting into my body now, um, say 10 years ago, I went right back into a, a yoga practice. Um, meditation, yoga, therapeutic touch was something I learned, and acupressure were things I learned that really got me into my body. But I must say that one of the most incredible things that is something I call listening partnerships, um, that the focus is on having a safe place to feel, that we are, we now know through a whole bunch of complex scientific terms, what grandmothers have known our whole lives, that we are emotional beings and we need care and comfort um, to be resilient for life stresses like becoming a single parent or going through difficult times. Uh, and ordinary, in, in fact, it's ordinary to have losses and to have grief. And it's only been in the last, um, it's hard to believe that humanity hasn't really been clear about our emotions and grief and loss until the last 50 years mm -hmm. and 30 and 10 years. So having a listening partnership is vital to me. Having a, a heart-based practice like yoga, um, uh, touch, uh, we live in a culture now that we're disconnected emotionally and we are disconnected touch-wise where people just don't get enough hugs, um, to say the least. I fully agree on that. And mm. they say that it takes a 20-second hug for that exchange to happen or for that oxytocin to be released. So, oh, yeah, I and I, before I move on, and the thing that fell off the table for me, I mean, emotions fall off the table for our culture in every way and don't get addressed still, even though we've got the information. But the big thing is play, like to, have, to, to be able to rest and have play and to have natural environments where we can do that. And what happens with play, we've discovered, is um, a whole bunch of healing. It's the best place for tears and laughter and yawns and sweats and tantrums and trembling. I mean, we, when we do really play and when I really played as a kid, um, we took risks and we hurt ourselves sometimes and we ran home to mom or or, or a, an older friend picked us up and dusted us off and uh, you know on the playground um, or, yeah. or at the baseball field or in the road hockey yeah yeah playing hard <laughs> yeah and, and laughter and playing hard and feeling a part of something and, and not competitive play um, something different. Collaborative play. <laughs> well, it's really, you know, there's portals to this, to play. And, um, oh, the man's name escapes me just in the moment. Um, uh, but he, he, he formed connections with wild animals, which was with wolves and with, with various wild animals. And uh, he, he also worked regularly with children and he started out in California working with children in the school system um, alongside of his work with animals. And, and he developed this incredibly intuitive way of just 
being playful. And again, it it, it, requ- it involves some touch and laughter and and and, and wrestling and and there's a, a there, there's a whole field of it now. And it becomes so everything that gets so scientific um, because yeah. we have an overdeveloped uh, left brain that wants to rationalize everything. Yeah. And in what's also lost in that is our creativity uh, from playfulness. So for me, I experienced this as like an, an over-dominant sort of, um, like we need masculine and feminine on the planet, but it's almost as if we're recognizing this as a, a dominance of the patriarchy or the, the masculine is a little out of balance. We're mm-hmm. needing to return to the feminine forces of nature and also our connection with animals because animals mm-hmm. are so primally connected to their existence and survival. Mm-hmm. And so just to switch gears a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I know early on when I was a kid, you were very drawn to indigenous um, traditions mm-hmm. and practices mm-hmm. and you had your um, your bout with fire walking. But mm-hmm. more than fire walking, it was... Um, like medicine cards and tell me a little bit about your well I had a daughter attraction. <laughs> I, I have a daughter uh, Juliana is her name and she was about eight years old and she wrote a poem about eagles remember we had um, living in us and then we lived near these old large dead trees and, and there were flocks of eagles and and you had your poem published uh, about high in the sky the eagles fly and I think that um, if if we can take opportunities to connect with nature um, and sometimes nature's just in your face nature can one day I'll tell you a little story I was counseling with the um, Canadian Airlines Employee Assistance Program now that Canadian Airlines no longer exists. They morphed into something else. But I was in an office and uh, a couple stories up and uh, you could look out at the big gray sky often in Vancouver and um, there were some crows around and I had clients that I would sit and look and behind them was the open sky through the window and I saw these crows playing and tumbling they were playing and tumbling and when I came home and I shared some of this with a neighbor Anna, Anna's parents yeah. <laughs> her dad said oh they don't very often show that with people around and anyway I just and then I, I had a series of whale dreams they were magnificent mm. they really they were powerful dreams and I haven't been visited too often by those kinds of dreams I can go years without a really interesting dream, but I had that series of whale dreams and I I felt so connected. I I learned something, I felt something, it was a felt thing. And uh, sharing that with, I haven't always shared those things with too many people because it sounds pretty ooh-ooh. So what do you think the whale's message was for you at that time? Like, what did that involve? Well, it was powerful. They, I was going through this, you know, fearful time of being single and uh, wanting connection. And the whales showed me in, in, in my dreams about power, 
about their sonar connection with each other, about where they traveled to and uh, how they were with their babies. Um, uh, and it was just another world. And, and the, the dream was, the dreams were experiences that I had that uh, it's hard to put words to. But I could see my, my I went, I was in a counseling, master's in counseling program. And I went for counseling and I was having trouble figuring out a relationship in my life. And I happened to mention, I said, oh, by the way, I've, been, I've had a, you know, a series of well dreams. And she went, well, uh, just a minute here. Um, you know, tell me a little bit more about those dreams. So she got me to tell her, tell my story about the dreams. And at that point in time, I'd had maybe three dreams. And she, uh, she helped me to sit with what my experiences were to really feel and know and connect. So whales are, they often These are killer whales, orcas. In pods, right? Yes, they're and they're in the Pacific Northwest. I, I did some learning around the Pacific Northwest orcas. And, uh, of course, that's where we were living at the time. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there was a whale called Tillicum who was employed, as it were, by SeaWorld of the Pacific or something, right right in Victoria, a SeaWorld-type arrangement. And now that whale is quite famous. I think he finally passed on about a year ago. But there's um, a documentary movie called Blackfish. And there's so much that we can, we are, human beings are not the most highly evolved thing on the planet, I, I don't For believe. Sure. Okay, one last question yes, before dear. we wrap up. Um, curious about your experience with Kundalini Yoga. What mm-hmm. drew you to that practice? And um, tell us a little bit about how it serves you and a little bit how you were a bit of a radical in your Kundalini Yoga teacher training. We might need about an hour and a half. <laughs> no, uh, okay, so I was busily doing this lovely um, Kripalu-based Hatha Yoga and really enjoying kind of like a trauma-informed and oh it was lovely and along came a teacher who uh just had a radiance about her she's still teaching Karen Smith. Karen Smith yes Saheshkar Sahesh. and her radiant light serious she's got serious light going on and um I started attending her classes and they were goofy, and I laughed out loud at some of the things we did. They were just different, just very different. And I started having, over a course of, you know, a couple of years, I started having, um, well, I was having sort of electromagnetic things happen. Um, and that's probably a longer story. But so I, I decided to take, I realized that I was moving energy and things were really happening. Plus, uh, to go back a bit to the heart issue, along the way, a while back, I started using M-Wave technology through HeartMath. And I would use that and saw that my yoga practice was helping with that. When I did Kundalini, things just started opening up. More intuitions and more things. So I, I carried on and did a teacher training in our group. And I... I'm not sure if I'm, the the radical piece for me is about diversity. 
that we learn to live together um, with not everybody wearing the same hat, shirt, and tie, or 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 vogue outfit, or whatever. That how we look, how we dress, who we are, is more about and there. And really, at some level, there is no separation, especially with the heart math information. Understanding the electromagnetics of the heart, which Kundalini is so well aware of, the the Kundalini as taught by Yogi Bhajan. That being radically ourselves, radically the guru is is within each one of us, um, and yet we need each other, and yet the guru's outside of us at every moment. Um, that we need these listening partnerships and safe spaces, and how to shift gears and do that. There's so so much we can do to uh, make the world a more uh, empathic place where our full involvement, our full access to our intelligence includes this heart-based empathy. And that requires some non-judgment. So practices where there's too much look-alike stuff um, distressed me in the whole turban idea uh, does uh, work well for a lot of people, but it's not exactly my look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really love the idea or the concept of no pedestals mm-hmm. and diversity in in nature. We talk about um, ecosystems and how it's so necessary to have diversity for the survival mm-hmm. of all the species. Yes. And human beings being much the same, we, we need diversity mm. within each other. Um, for our survival. Yeah. We need electricians and plumbers and and car mechanics and we need artists and we need playful people that can um, lead us. Mm-hmm. Playful, empathic people who have full access to their tears. Mm-hmm. That can move through their tears so we can move from mad or scared to sad and on to love and enthusiasm. So one last piece of uh, or question here for you before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was one piece of advice for somebody that is struggling with anxiety or feeling disconnected, what is one little nugget of wisdom that, that you could share for that person listening? Uh, go within if you can and breathe and ask yourself what do I need to do next and see what comes up and if it if you if it is I'm terrified and I can't think straight then you go to your safest person who will who sees the full intelligence of you and can see your distress but not be fooled by it that human connection is vital. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, my beautiful mother, Shan Val. <laughs> what an honor. What a treasure that I was born from you. So thank you for that. Oh. And um, <laughs> if you would like to stay in touch with Shan, she is on Facebook, Shan Laval. Her email is shanlaval at gmail.com. You can connect with me 
on my website, um, mm-hmm. and I can guide you to Sham Laval as well. My website is julianalaval.com. Fabulous. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much, sweetheart. I Namaste. love you. Satnam. Satnam. <laughs>